One man has a talk show on 77 WABC, and that man's name is... It's Dominic Carter. I am him. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Nice to be with you, Dominic. It gets better. You need to talk to Dominic Carter. It's about to go down. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning, good morning, good Friday morning. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. People see what they want to see and have quite the way of dismissing criticism. Case in point, let's start with Mayor Adams. The mayor meeting Thursday with one of President Biden's top aides, the closed door city hall meeting between Adams and Biden's director of intergovernmental affairs, Tom Perez, a name from the past. And Adams started his day on Thursday discussing the migrant crisis on the CBS morning show, dismissing criticism. There are some people that are placing the blame in your direction and leaders of New York City. As more asylum seekers come, the more money is dedicated. And taxpayers are saying there's a better way to spend that money. What is your response to that? Well, I think to the contrary, when I'm when I'm in the streets, people are saying, you know, hey, brother, you you're doing your thing. You know, Um, not one child or family slept on the streets of the city of New York. That was our number one mission. We can't have children out on the street. Now you have many, no matter what you do in life. I mean, this is New York, 8.8 million people, 35 million opinions. Everyone can sit in the bleachers and say, I should have thrown a better fastball. But come on, this bill. Yeah, yeah, step on the mound. (laughs) Right. Right. Every day we are juggling where we're going to find another place so that human beings don't sleep on the street. Mm -hmm. That's real. Okay, Mr. Mayor. He also faced... An unexpected question during the same interview on the CBS morning show on his nightlife proclaiming the city is doing a great job, dare I say, fighting crime. Again, Mayor Adams dismissing criticism. What about the criticism of you, Mr. Mayor, that you you spend a lot of time, you're the party mayor. You spent a lot of time at Zero Bond. You spent a lot of time working out that, yeah, you're doing a job. But you're also the headline in The New Yorker the other day was uh, Mayor Adams administration of bluster. How do you respond to those criticisms? Well, you guys, come on. This is New York. I'm the mayor of the most important city on the globe. And I got a yeah, boost. Still, yeah, I got a boost in multi-million billion dollar uh, nightlife industry that was dying through covid. Every time I walk inside a restaurant. Those cooks, those chefs, those waiters, those right. busboys and girls, that boosts the economy. My oh, nightlife establishment okay. is, is huge. But then look at our successes. I ran on bringing down crime, yeah. dropped h- homicides, gun shooters. It's my major category. We got a double A bond rating from uh, yeah. Fitch. You'll see it, 99% of our jobs be covered. And look at that. Poof. We're all safe. Thank you, Mayor Adams. I didn't know we were all safe, but thank you for telling us that we are all safe. People have a way of dismissing criticism and they see what they want to see. Let's switch now to Twitch star. We're going to come back to Adams. We're going to take your telephone calls in just a moment. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Twitch star Kai Sinat. It was a week ago today. Again, how the police came under attack, physical attack, in a disgusting way at Union Square. Mr. Sinat is speaking out, breaking his silence on the Union Square riot giveaway that was announced on short notice, which quickly spiraled into chaos. He says now that he's been charged with the felony, that S is not cool. At least he's chastising the young people that were there, young like himself. 
So he is speaking out for the very first time about the massive crowd of young people who swarmed Union Square Park last week, turning what was supposed to be a fun giveaway into a riot. I still don't know a single person that received one of those PlayStation 5s. And so Mr. Sinat says, and I'm quoting here, I am beyond, bro, disappointed. Even holding up during a Twitch live stream, holding up an actual newspaper article about what happened Friday. Now, I do have some bad news about rents in Manhattan, and we're going to tell you something about that's raising eyebrows between the state attorney general and Governor Hochul. But I want you to listen to this young man, Mr. Kai Sinat, discussing what happened a week ago. After Friday, bro, I've come to realize the amount of not only power, but influence that I have on people. You feel what I'm saying? I've come to realize that, bro, and I'm saying that to say this. I am beyond, bro disappointed beyond bro beyond disappointed in anybody who became destructive that day bro 100% bro that is not cool my none of that is cool bro you feel what I'm saying I, after the things that I've seen I'm beyond disappointed in the things that went on on Friday and I want people to know that none of that was my intention you feel what I'm saying none of that I had good intentions for this whole thing and none of that was my intentions, bro. Not only that, but I don't condone any of the things that went on that day. None of that is cool. I'm seeing random videos of people getting sturdy on people's cars. And I've always and I'm asking myself while I'm watching the video, why? Like, why? You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, Do you feel what I'm saying? About four or five times. I feel what you're saying. Now we can be naive and say, oh, this young man made a mistake. He, he has millions of followers in social media. It's estimated that he's worth more than a million dollars. So call him what you want, but don't call him stupid. Okay? The young man at the center of all of this. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, plays out. He says that he feels that that he's disappointed in those that took part. You know what? Let's listen to his actual words. And this comes from a broadcast he did to his uh, supporters this week. And he has millions of followers on social media. I want to go ahead and say, bro, I love New York and we got, I'm going to make sure that we got to make sure like this is it, that's where I'm from. You feel what I'm saying? I love New York and I want to make sure that y'all have safe and y'all have fun. And, I, and I'm able to do things like this, but we got to chill. We got to chill. At least at least he's saying the right things, right? The young man also told us that he has to chill because he has a, a court date coming up with a felony charge. August. 16th as an update onto what's going on y'all know y'all have seen it i'm being hit with multiple charges y'all know that already though um for me streaming um i might have to chill for a little bit due to the fact that one i got court dates that i gotta appear to my first court date this uh august 16th um that's my first court day i got things that i actually have to you know, I have things that I actually have to handle. You feel me? I got charges and stuff like that. So I have to go to court and I have to um, handle a lot of things. And, and yeah, that's about it. That's about it. He's worth more than a million dollars. So he's going to come in with great counsel, a great lawyer. And that felony will be plea bargained down to a misdemeanor and then plea bargained and plea bargained. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, if if you're we're about to start with your telephone calls, but if your lease is up and if you're looking for an apartment in the city of New York, good luck with that. The average monthly rent in New York City has jumped to a record high of nearly five thousand six hundred 
dollars. What was his name? Jimmy McMillan, who ran for governor. The rent is too damn high. Remember, that was his line. We we need that guy now. And so the rent is unforgiving when it comes to cost too damn high. And it's only getting higher, according to a uh, new report, as the rents continue to skyrocket with July seeing the average rental rate of nearly $5,600. Renters in Hell's Kitchen could relate to the hike. To the hike. In fact, the average price there is nearly $4,400 per month. How are people supposed to live with rents like that? With rents like that. And a decision... That is raising eyebrows in the political community. State Attorney General Letitia James of New York, her office will no longer defend Governor Kathy Hochul in the migrant case. And this is an extremely rare split. New York Attorney General Letitia James, her office on Thursday, dropped its role defending the Hoku administration in litigation. Normally, the state attorney general's office represents the governor's office over the state's responsibility to shelter migrants. Again, a highly unusual step that appears to suggest, keyword appears to suggest, policy differences between two of the state's most powerful Democrats. So a Manhattan law firm, Salindi Gay Ellsberg has replaced James legal team in the case, according to a filing in Manhattan Supreme Court. And the move comes in a case centered on the city's right to shelter mandate established in 1981. So one of the questions that you folks asked last night, right to shelter, when did it start? It was established in 1981 which demands that the city provide shelter to anyone who requests it. As you know, listening to the show, Mayor Adams, his administration has struggled to meet the requirements of the provision over the last year with the uh, city strained by the arrival of about 100,000 asylum seekers. The Legal Aid Society has asserted the state must do more to help the city. Governor Hochul, Buffalo Democrat, has in turn argued that the right to shelter rule only applies to the five boroughs. Smart move, if you ask me. And um, this is the move that is raising some eyebrows. Let's start with your telephone calls uh, this morning. Let's begin with our friend Frank in Maine. Good morning, Frank. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dominic. Always a pleasure. You know, Dominic, the way those students or the way those kids acted in Union Square, the same way they acted in school. As a matter of fact, the kids that acted like they did in in Union Square, when they acted like that in school and as staff, when we called their parents, quote unquote, when we gave when we gave insight into what was going on, we never got a parent. We got a grandmother. We got a sister. We got a cousin. One time we got a great grandmother. I'll never forget this. I felt so sorry for this poor lady. She was watching this 52, 15 and 16 year old kids and she couldn't walk. She couldn't walk, Dominic. She had to go into school and defend these two kids, and she couldn't walk. And that is indicative of what these kids are. They have no parents. Well, right? that, that, that would time, explain, Frank, why they do what they do. Absolutely. And the sad part is, the sad part is, when we tried, when we tried to get, to, to, to get an actual parent, when we finally did get a parent, they were so belligerent. They, did, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear anything. They wanted to hear that their kid was great and we were in the wrong. And mm. we were so, as staff, we were so sick of it that we decided not to call anymore. 
There was no point. There was no point in calling. And that's why they thought they get they got carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to do. And it and it translates to what happened at Union Square. Dominic, have a great night. Thank you, Frank, for the call. And as as a uh, former educator, I am uh, so sorry that you and scores of other teachers and administrators that have dedicated your lives to helping children, to enriching children, have had to deal with this. You have had to deal with dysfunction on the front line. Not as bad as police officers have to deal with, but but it's close. It is close. Let's go to our friend Mike in the great state of South Carolina. Good morning, Mike. What's on your mind? Good morning. Oh, Mike, um, Mike, there's something wrong with your phone. Are you there? Are you there with me better now? Here. Yes. Can you hear me? You're going in and out. I'll try one more time. Go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me now? Doc? I, I hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, always good chatting with you. And uh, originally from Nassau County, County, born and raised. And you know what? Eric Adams. What can we say about Eric Adams? He, he's a legend in his own mind, I think. He hasn't done much of anything. And now he wants his, you know, he, he's, he's holding out his hat for a handout from the federal government. And I liked his explanation where, you know, who's explaining he goes clubbing with Sharpton and his $5,000 suits, but he's going to the clubs to build up business. Oh, I see. And you know what? Uh, what a, what a, um, uh, a disaster for the city of New York and the state of New York, uh, free uh, carte blanche to all the immigrantes. It's getting to the point where look at the rents, like you said, Dominic. I mean, hey, that's why you see an exodus of, of people from the tri-state area, Connecticut, Jersey, New York, highest tax region in the country, and they're going to the Carolinas, Florida, you know, south of the Mason-Dixon, you know, and he's a disgrace, Adams. He really is. Well, uh, all I can say, Mike, is, you know, if the average rent, let, let's just let's just talk in terms of averages, right? So. Obviously, the average person, you're going to need two incomes, (laughs) at least two, to pay that rent. And what happens if someone loses their job? If one of the, thank you for the call, Mike, if one of the people in that household, if you lose your job and that's just rent, you've still got transportation. You probably have a car. If you have a car, you're looking at $800 a month to a thousand north to, to park. Now they're talking about uh, congestion pricing and all of these things and fifty six hundred dollars a month. Jimmy McMillan, where are you? The rent is too damn high. Remember, he said during the uh, debate with then Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo. Let's go to uh, Bob in New Jersey. Good morning, Bob. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, God bless you, uh, Dominic. Uh, you're fantastic. Um, thank you. We, Same to we're you. witnessing. Um, thank you, sir. I, I enjoy your show um, very, very much, and, and I want to thank you for um, for being on the right side of, uh, of things lately. It's a shame. Let's let's put the dirty what I call it. What I refer to the dirty duopoly. Let's put that aside. Right, that's a problem. A different problem within itself. But you can see one one thing that's fortunate is this this young man who who uh, started that thing at um, you know the, the square. He, he admitted that he was just totally blown away by the disrespect, you know, people like beating up cars, disrespecting cops. You know, it's just that we're witnessing a decline in the society today. But the fact the fact that 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 someone takes a public oath, you know, to actually serve the people as a politician, it's despicable what the left is doing right now. They're Agreed. fueling the fi- Agreed. Li- literally fueling the flames. Put all the dirty idiosyncrasies aside. But for them to actually keep on banging the gong of war and banging the drums of war like they do, what they're doing right now is not only dividing the country to the point where where people are starting to realize the, you know, the all of these tangible, tangible realities of, of the, the, the prices of food. Um, I unfortunately, you know, after covid, you know, like like many people had a lot of things to pick up you know, a lot of things to try to get back into shape. And I witnessed a lot of people going into storage facilities, losing their houses, you know, but the media, the dirty left media won't talk about that. They don't want to focus on a, on, on, on the fact that a lot of people are suffering financially 
And all of the things that they do, the legislative bills that, that, that they, they try to pass. And, and look at the um, illegal immigrants. And God bless these people. I'm not trying to sound like I'm, I'm criticizing someone that wants to become an American. But why, why do we have laws when, when um, every, every illegal immigrant that comes into it, to, to this country not only impacts a middle guy, like a, a, little, a, bit, a little business that's trying to compete against the establishment, the cronyism in municipalities, you know, where somebody, a dirty player in a zoning department is giving jobs to a buddy or a family relative. Not only do they impact and they actually feed, you know, feed the pockets of the established contractors, they kick the teeth in every guy like, like me, like a middle guy, like a smaller contractor that tries to rise up and compete. And that's what Donald Trump talked about, the establishment. People forget about that Donald Trump told Jeb Bush, you know what I mean, sit down. Nobody wants to listen to you, okay? Nobody wants to listen to you and, and all the BS that from, from Halliburton and Dick Cheney. Nobody wants to, you know. Donald Trump um, basically, and I hate to say it, basically shot the bird at the 16 primary candidates and basically told them, get in line with me because I'm going to clean up this mess, this swamp. And it's the truth. What's, what's even more sickening is that I have friends of mine who are union, you know, it doesn't matter, white or black, but you can't even reason with these people. You know, they literally tell me if SpongeBob was running, I would vote Democrat. And I'm not, I'm not <laughs> even trying to attack the left or the right, but it's just, it's a reality that we're witnessing right now. Right. You know, the idiosyncrasies. Uh, I, I hear crazy. you, Bob. I, I, I hear you. And uh, it, it, it is what it is. And um, I don't know what it's going to take to change all of this. Thank you for the call. Uh, but something has to be done or the suffering will continue. Let's go to Peter in Harlem. Good morning, Peter. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. I'm Frank. I would like to have a civil conversation, and I would like to preface my original statement by saying Mayor Giuliani could have stopped this open borders in New York if he wanted to. When he got elected, you know what his comment was when a reporter asked him, how do you feel about this sanctuary city thing? He said, well, Koch had it. I'm going to leave it the way it is. Now he's all righteous and altruistic. Now my second point. Dominic, okay, wait, wait. You can make your second point. But Peter, so, so you're saying that you believe that Mayor Giuliani should have had a crystal ball to predict that 100,000 migrants years after he left office would come to New York City after the mayor opened the door to let them in. He was supposed to have a crystal ball and predict all of that? Dominic, I'm surprised at you. I said no such thing. I said he had the power to stop what Koch instituted. Dominic, will you stop estimate, underestimating your opposition's intelligence? You are not Wait, that for, right. For, first of all, you're not my opposition. You're not even in the ballpark, Peter. Oh, you really I, Peter, don't think Peter, so, Peter, do you? Peter, let, let me... let Peter. any Peter, white man's ass in Peter, order to get a, get, get a voice, my voice heard. Okay, you do so, it all the time. Peter, come on. Is that the best you got? Don't cut him off, please. Is that the best you got, Peter? To stand here and, oh, he hung up again. He dropped. He dropped. That's the best you got. That's what you're going to say to a black man that pulled himself up from welfare with no father and a mentally ill mother and was the first one in his family to go to college. When I'm done with this show, I am literally going to Pennsylvania to help again to help a niece that it's in terrible, terrible trouble with the with the drug addiction that is sweeping America. I have family members that are in trouble. When you're, when you're a first generational success story, the ghetto continuously calls you. And there are continuous problems when you are a first generation success story. So Peter, notice clown, I took your phone call, right? Because you're like a joke to me. That's why I took your call. You're a complete joke. I don't take anything you say is serious. Your intellectual opponent. You're not my intellectual opponent. I've done debates with Senator Patrick Moynihan and the Giuliani's of the world and the Hillary Clinton's of the world and the Mike Bloomberg's of the world. And you think that you're my intellectual opponent? You're a joke that I take your phone call to hear the latest idiotic thing that's going to come out of your mouth. And then you state it. And every time you fall into the trap, just like I want you to, and then you hang up and then you hang up. 
But I got a trick for you the next time, Peter, that you call. I'm going to show you how I can get down the next time that you call. You said that I'm kissing a white man's butt to, um, you know, it's just interesting, folks. I, I um, like everybody else, I've got to provide for my family. And and I, I've never been accused of kissing anyone's butt. Uh, white, black, in between. Oh, you know, every now and then some people may say I'm kissing Sharpton's butt, to which I laugh. Ask Sharpton if I kiss his butt. Ask Sharpton if I'm a thorn in his side. And see and see what he tells you. They I'm just using him as an example. There have been times when me and Sharpton haven't talked to each other for almost a year. It's it's just it, it it's thank you for that, Peter. You 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 made my night. Uh, you gave me the ultimate compliment, and I, I really thank you for that. But I'm not I'm not kissing anyone's butt. But let me be clear: you are not my intellectual opponent. That is laughable. I have gone up against the very best in the world of politics in live situations, and you're going to refer to yourself. As my intellectual uh, opponent, and again, to the point that I made as I started out this show, and Peter, I want to say this one last time. I take your calls because you're a joke. That's all you are, a complete joke. People see what they want to see. Peter, for example, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go to Larry in Brooklyn. Audrey in Brooklyn, Orange County, Yonkers, New Jersey, and we will be right back. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you. The Twitch star, Kai Sanat, breaking his silence on what happened at uh, Union Square. The rent is also too damn high, according to a a new survey. And Mayor Adams uh, meeting with one of President Biden's top aides, and uh, dismissing criticism of himself. Let's go right back to the telephone calls. Jimmy in Brooklyn. Good morning, Jimmy. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning. I was on my way out. I wasn't going to call until I heard this last caller who described himself as your intellectual equal. Uh, I like when you get your righteous anger. Even when you're angry, you don't really sound mad. I don't know how you do it. But that guy is crazy. But that that shows you something very serious. It's like when Biden said, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. The idea that you could corral a whole race and have them locked in a pen, a mental pen, a mental cage where they all have to march and think and lockstep. That is frightening. That, I mean, it, it happens to white people. It happens to all kind of people. But this guy here. Reminded me of when Biden accused a guy of not being black if he doesn't vote for Biden. This is frightening. This is mind control. This is not even where people have a gun pointed at them or fear of the Klan or something making you think and act a certain way. This is people letting their own mind and opinions be controlled and manipulated. And they won't even be open to any discussion. Anybody who sees what's going on now would see that everything is wrong. How could they want to be voting for Biden? They see the before and after. Before was Trump and after is Biden. It's as clear as anything, even if you don't like Trump personally. I thought it was a joke when Trump was running. and then He surprised me. Trump made a fool out of most of the previous presidents by showing you what a guy who has no political experience came in and he performed what you could in some way say were miracles. And now you have the opposite. And for 30 or so percent of people that love the job Biden's doing, that's 
people like this guy that just called you and said that he's your intellectual equal, which is, I, I, I'm trying not to laugh, but I, I like the way you, uh, you, I don't want to say slapped him down, but you stood up to him. More people have to do that. I would well, never say I'm somebody's intellectual equal or superior. I mean, the guy was pompous and arrogant, and he's not smart enough and bright enough to have that level of arrogance. And Agreed. Um, Agreed. Jimmy, I, I really do appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You, sir. You, you, you know, folks, j- just a couple of uh, quick points here. So um, I, I really do take Peter's calls because I know that he's going to say something outrageous. He's going to say something stupid. As the kids say, he's going to play himself. And every single time. But see, here's the part that I don't understand. Where I'm from in this city, in the Bronx, put up or shut up. You don't make the charge and then run and hang up. Where I'm from, you man enough or you woman enough to back it up. And how, how could he say that he's my intellectual Equal. I have a master's degree from one of the best communication schools in the world, the Newhouse School at Syracuse University. You're not my intellectual equal. You're my equal when when you could sit down and these are things that have really happened. So when I moderated the uh, debate between Mayor Mike Bloomberg and his uh, Democratic uh, rival. Uh, challenger bill thompson i i will never forget this so whenever whenever we have to do a televised debate you know i'm i'm on location and this is what happens with the moderators the moderators are on location i would say six to seven hours before the event starts it's almost like a baseball player or a basketball player if the knicks are playing and the game is at 7 p.m and you know you're gonna arrive at six maybe maybe a lot later but the players have been there for hours getting taped up and relaxing and in their locker room and eating and so on and so i i will never forget the um the uh hillary clinton debate and it was up against the uh, former mayor of Yonkers. And um, I, my, my thing, whenever I moderated a high-profile debate, right, I'm not really a meetings guy. So all the top managers, and this was at New York One, they meet, they sit down, and they meet, and they meet, and they meet. And every now and then I had to be in the meetings. But I'm like, guys, come up with whatever plan you want. I'm the guy that you pass the mantle to. Let's get it done. And so I'm in my dressing room and I I just got out the shower and the candidates, right? Bloomberg's campaign is blowing up my cell phone. Bill Thompson's campaign is blowing up my cell phone. Everybody's trying to get in an edge. I won't say who it was from the Bloomberg team, but they kept calling me nonstop. Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. You cannot ask Mike this with those damn uh, lightning round questions, yes or no. Dominic, Dominic, do- and this went on, on, and on. So finally, I turn off my cell phone. I get out the shower, and I always like my wife and my kids to come in the dressing room before we start, right? So it's about the time where right after the management from New York One, I have to come outside and address the crowd, a live studio audience, before we start the live television broadcast. And so my wife, Marilyn, walks in and I see this funny look on her face. Right. And this the, the debate was being broadcast from a museum in East uh, Harlem. And I said, honey, what, what, what's wrong? I said, how's the press coverage outside? And she says, Dominic, you're not going to believe this. There, there are like 40 live trucks outside. And I'm like, thanks a lot. That That's a wonderful way to relax me. So so. A debate like that with Thompson and Bloomberg, that's my intellectual equal, Peter. A debate where I have sat down with a team of producers for days. And we, okay, another example, and I'm going right back to your telephone calls, the Hillary Clinton debate, right? She had been flirting with running for president. Everybody knew she was going to run for president. And so we have to sit down almost like a coach of a football team and strategize. Dominic, uh, you can't come on too hard against Hillary. 
You don't, you don't want to be hit with you're not treating her fair because because she's a woman. So be very careful. And the entire time of the debate, there are producers in your ear timing out the time that each candidate has. You've got to be equal. And so you're standing there and you, and, and you have rehearsed for almost a week. If Hillary Clinton says this, this is the comeback. If Hillary Clinton does this, this is the comeback. If Hillary Clinton accuses you of sexism, this is the comeback. This is the comeback if if uh, protesters interrupt the live debate. And it actually happened in the middle of the Bloomberg debate where people stood up because they were not happy that he was running again. And and the only thing I could think of to say on in a live broadcast was, please, please calm down. If you don't, the NYPD is going to have to get involved. And sure enough, that's what happened. And then we continue with the live debate. So, Peter, that's my intellectual uh, competition. You're, you're not even in the game, dude. You're not. I take your call as a joke. You're a complete joke. Let's continue. Let's go to uh, let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Good morning, Pete. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, Dominic. I'm calling to say you're the most fair and balanced person on the radio, along with Rita Cosby and Curtis and everyone else. And uh, you and I are very similar. I wasn't, uh, I didn't go through the part with uh, my mother having, you know, a drug problem or stuff or my father, but I was born later in life and they referred to me a lot of times with my siblings as our mistake. And uh, that was very, very rough. But at the end, when before my father passed away and my mother they uh, said to me that I was the best mistake they ever made in their life. So I feel for you and you're going out to help a relative. I, I do the same thing. I've been there with drugs. I kicked it about 40 years ago. And uh, it's, it's rough. It's rough. You know, so, so Pete, 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 wait, 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 Pete. Let, so you said you kicked drugs about 40 years ago. About 40 I, I, years, cold turkey. Okay, cold well, turkey. well I, I have a question for you before I move on. I've been told by several friends that have dealt with this that um, that the only way you can really help someone that's been in and out of uh, rehab and keep checking themselves out is that they have to hit absolute rock bottom. Is that true? That's true. And the thing is, they got to substitute, uh, substitute advice for advice. Look at some kind of a hobby to get in. Some people, they knit, they crochet. Some people do what I do. I go out and feed feral cats, but I do it responsible. I'm out now doing it, you know, after this storm, and that's how I deal with it. And right, uh, right now, right now, fight. you're feeding cats. Right now, yes. Well, and at the moment, I'm sitting in the car. I have oh. all my cans ready. I whistle them; they come. And now with this thing with all the shelters, there's about ten cats being dumped there. And a message to people that dump cats: don't. Because these colonies, they're very territorial, and they will beat up and bite and do everything to these cats to make them leave because this is their territory. So if you love an animal, don't dump it. Bring it to a shelter or uh, in a way, if they have any way of getting in touch with me and they want to keep an animal and not get rid of it, I will donate money to them. Not, I can't do it to a lot of people, but at least one or two of forty, fifty dollars a week to feed the animals, or I will bring them the food in order to keep the animals in the house, especially cats, because their children get attached to them, and it's very, very traumatic when you take an animal away from a child. Well, and Pete, let, let, I, I, I've got to move on, but I'm so glad uh, that that you've been clean for forty years. It's a blessing from above. Thank you for the call, Pete, and I really do wish you the uh, the absolute best. And as far Pete mentioned the uh, cats, you know, I think about that, folks. Uh, we found our cat outside. He's been with us for about ten years. He's starting to get older and so on, but but he's still my man, and he's he's held the ground since my dog Dolce died. And um, what what I think about sometimes, you know, they'll get outside the house. I went and bought one of these collars, to, you know, to monitor him, but I don't want to put it on him because it feels like it's too heavy to put around his neck. And I think about sometimes what happens if 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 he was just locked outside, a cat that's been he would last maybe a day, 
maybe a day without without food. He's used to being fed, you know, several times a day. And so, Pete, again, thank you for that call. Uh, you know what? I was about to take Michael in New Jersey. I will, but first, but first, let's take a break. When we come back, the Chronicles of Dominic Carter coming up at 1 a.m., Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. So when we come back, Michael in New Jersey, Audrey in Brooklyn, Yonkers, Orange County, and more of your calls. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And folks, this is going to be interesting. The Success Charter School vows to start class on Monday despite a UFT lawsuit. The United Federation of Teachers classes will be in session Monday at the Success Academy. And this is an act of defiance. The leader of the uh, renowned charter school group is vowing to start the classes August 14th in a Queens public school building that the powerful teachers union is trying to kick her out of. So this has been a long stemming battle uh, between Eva Moskowitz, a former city council member and the uh, United Federation of Teachers. And they're seeking an emergency injunction in Manhattan state Supreme court, urging a judge to stop the move. But Moskowitz says that the court dragging its feet, that the Academy's Rockaway Park Middle School is going to be rolling full steam ahead with plans to open in PS 225 in Queens, which houses the Department of Education's Waterside, Waterside, that is, excuse me, Leadership School. Going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Let's go right back to your telephone calls. Michael in New Jersey, good morning. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, good morning, Dominic. Uh, Eric Adams says he doesn't want to do what he's doing for the illegals, but he is forced to do it because New York State is a sanctuary state, and if he doesn't do it, he'd be breaking the law. Well, here's the thing. There is another state that is a sanctuary state, and that state is Massachusetts. Now, in Massachusetts, there is a town, a super, super rich town, where an ex-president and his wife live. And they sent a bunch of migrants to that town, Martha's Vineyards, and the people there raised holy hell, and they started screaming at the governor. He called out the National Guard, and within 38 hours, not even two days, 38 hours, they rounded them up and threw them out of Martha's Vineyards. Now, if they can throw them out of Martha's Vineyards, and the town wasn't sued, nothing happened, the people in charge of the town weren't arrested, then why can't Eric Adams? Because he doesn't want to do it. Not because he's following the law, because he doesn't want to do it. Because if Martha's Vineyards can do it, he can do it. Well, Martha's Vineyard is is somewhat, you, you, not just Obama. He doesn't live there. He owns a, a massive home there. Right. He, he lives He lives in uh, D.C., him and the former first lady. The, the, but they it, did it. The, they, they did, did it. Well, well, the reason why they did it, Michael, is that Martha's Vineyard is uh, the elite of the African-American community with a lot of political power. A oh, lot. Excuse me. A lot. But- Oh, excuse me. So then they can do something that the mayor of New York can't because they're highfalutin and the poor people in New York are a bunch of what? Lowlights? They have the people in Martha's Vineyard have enormous, enormous political power. And and that's why and that's why the governor got involved. And that's why there was immediate action because of the people in Martha's Vineyard. Michael say that they're going to vote you out. You got a problem. Well, then Eric Adams should grow up here and say what's good enough for Martha's Vineyards is good enough for my city. They don't want them there. I don't want them here. When Martha's Vineyards takes the people back in and lets them live in Martha's Vineyards, then I will give sanctuary to the people who are here illegally. But until that time happens, 
They're out of my city. But Mayor Adams is a fake. He's a phony. He wants the people here because he figures one day they'll become citizens and they will vote for him when he runs for the presidency. So it's all a lie. He wants them here. That's why he welcomed them. And he still wants them to come. It's just that he wants the federal government to give him money so he has places to stick them. But he wants them here. He's a liar. He's a fraud. He's a fake. Okay, Michael, thank you for the call. Let's go to Audrey in Brooklyn. Good morning, Audrey. What's on your mind? Thank you for taking my call. First of all, Mike, there's nine sanctuary states. And second of all, they were sent to uh, Marcus Vineyard by um, DeSantis or Abbott. That's number two. But um, um, it's just annoying how people just talk about stuff and they don't know. But anyway, the rent in New York State, um, basically in, in the city, it's not it's five thousand, but in Brooklyn you can't get an apartment right now, one bedroom um, between two and three thousand dollars. So the rent is 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 it's it's just out of control. But I, I'm sorry, I just heard something that just didn't make any sense. But yeah, wait, um, wait, 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 Audrey, I I I'm trying to follow what you initially said about the the migrant issue. I I didn't exactly it's comprehend. Nine sanctuary states. Wait, okay. wait, you said what about about uh, sanctuary states? I didn't hear that. Nine of them, nine. Okay, and what nine. what? How does that? Oh, wait, wait, but, but how does that, what, what's, what's the relevance of that? Because Massachusetts is one of the states. Right. Okay. So and what, what Mike what, said as usual, um, um, something he made up, um, he, they weren't sent there, um, 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 uh, they were sent there by buses, just like, um, I don't. But, but they were, they were sent there and they were gone immediately. By whom? I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't remember, but they were sent there in the dead of night and, and they were quickly shipped out of Martha's Vineyard because those, because, because those black people have enormous political power. I'm sorry, I just upset. But anyway, keep in mind. But um, you're, um, upset, Adam, you're upset at what? I'm, you're upset at what? I'm, you have a great oh, wait, 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 Audrey, right. Audrey, wait, Audrey, you're upset at what? I'm just trying to understand. I don't give me because you took my call after Mike and he just said some stuff. Nonsense. But I'm sorry. I okay, but I'm just tell me, Audrey, what are you upset about? That's all I'm trying to find out. I, 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 sometimes you just get some really nonsensical calls. Okay. But it's okay. I, I understand people are just whatever. I'm sorry. I'm back on focus. Peter, I think he has a mental problem. He's sort of borderline my assessment as a, as a, um, a paramedic, a retired. And good that you take his calls because um, somehow you're helping him. You know, I, I, I'm, I, not, I'm not. I'm so not. I'm not. You're helping I'm him not, in a way you don't I, know. I'm not. I'm not helping him. He needs three. help. Yeah, he, he, he definitely. He definitely needs <laughs> help. But he, he said. He said. And I hope he he needs said. To be all right. He said, well, thank, thank you for the call, Audrey. Peter said that I, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, hey, Matt, do you, rem-? he said something about I, I kiss the butt of white, what, white men. What, do you, what did he say? He said, you kiss the white man's ass. Right. Okay. Like so, you do every day. He said, like, like you do every day. Right. Like, like I do every day. Okay. So my first boss was Percy Sutton, one of the most, for the first eight years of my career. One of the most prominent uh, African Americans uh, in the city, very white, Dominic. That, very white. That, that that owned WBLS WLIB and was based out of Harlem, and that's who my boss was. And then for the next seventeen years, the number two in command that I often reported to at Time Warner happens to be Dick Parsons, who is another. A millionaire, prominent African American. So that covers twenty four years of my career, and now I'm I'm here at 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 WABC, and I report to John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, and they have never had a single conversation, Matt, with me about race, about class about what I'm going to talk about on the radio. And so now I also, I report to a female owner and at New York one, I reported to a female, a news director uh, by the name of Bernie Hahn. So do you know, Matt, before I move on, why, why Peter calls and then ultimately he runs and hangs up. He likes to say what he wants wants to to say. say. And then the moment I challenge him, he has that agenda of saying something shocking because he always will say something and then he'll always go. And now let me say this. And then he'll say something else. Okay. So let me ask you another question. Ridiculous. Let me ask you another question. Does he do this to any of the white hosts at WABC? 
I've never heard him calling any. Yeah, I don't. I, that that answer, I, I I don't think he does. I, I don't think he does. And see that that's another problem within the black community, right? So we we attack those that have become success stories. We won't attack the white people, not in their face, but we want to come attack. The African American. I don't expect for you to comment on that. I don't want you to end up in a uh, in an interesting situation. Let's make Frank Morano comment on that. No, yes. No. No. Only joking, Frank. Only joking. So, uh, Peter from Harlem called. Uh, I heard. Oh, you heard. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, how would you respond to something like that? I would say, hey, look, um, it, would you consider stealing the white man's headphones an indication <laughs> of butt kissing? I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> I, I do whatever I can to stick it to the white man whenever given the opportunity. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I, I don't know, Frank. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about something. else. What are you doing this weekend? All right. Well, uh, you're actually going to try and get to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks game on Sunday because it's a it's a double header. But I'm probably going to be there for uh, game two. And uh, is that when the team that does the uh, no? Antics? See, that's Friday and Saturday. The and Savannah, it's all sold the Savannah out. Bananas. Yes. That's what they say. But I'm sure if you show up to the ballpark, there's a way to get tickets, right? I mean, I mean, there's got to be somebody that's going to be selling tickets. I have to think that. But who knows? I, it, don't have, show up and say have, I have, said. You. I've seen them online. Yeah, uh, I've never seen them in person. And I worked in minor league baseball for a few years, but uh, before they were doing their thing. So I've never seen them in person. I'd like to go. But uh, Saturday, we're going out to Long Island. And uh, and Friday, I have uh, just some errands to run on Staten Island. So I, I don't think we'd be able to get to the game. But I'm going to try and get to that rally on Saturday morning that Vito Fasella is hosting at 11 o'clock because they're trying to uh, take what has historically been senior housing and put a whole bunch of migrants there. And it's really not a great fit for that community, which is in dire need of senior housing. And it would be great to have that that facility continue to be senior housing rather than be a, I hate to use the term, but a dumping ground for migrants. So I'm probably going to be at that. And then uh, we're going to go out and see uh, some family on Long Island on Saturday afternoon. I, I, I need you to promo the show. And mm. I know we're short on time, but I need to know how's your wife doing after losing her cat? Oh, she is having a, a rough week. But... Uh, my son said uh, our cat's name yesterday that that passed away, and I, I thought my wife was just going to break down in tears again there as soon as uh, as soon as he said Melky's name. So, but she's she's tough. She'll be fine. What do you have coming up this morning? All right. Uh, ask Frank anything for the next hour. I will take questions on any subject. Hopefully people will make them interesting. We'll give a prize to whoever comes up with the best uh, best question. And then um, really looking forward to one of my favorites, Ralph Nader, uh, still going strong at 89 years old. He's going to join me in the 2 o'clock hour. And in the 3 o'clock hour, we have nationally syndicated radio talk show host Michael Medved, also a film critic. So we're going to talk movies, politics, and more. You got a great show coming. I up. hope so. Frank Morano and the other side of midnight, folks, do me a favor. Have a great weekend. Relax. Take it easy. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy Frank coming up right now. I will be back Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. right here. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I love my Italian heritage and the food that goes along with it. That's why on Sundays after church, I head over with my father to Italo's Fine Foods on Forest Avenue in Staten Island with our list from mom. They have two locations on Forest Avenue, 1566 and the new one at 725. It's family owned and serving Italian specialties since 2014. They also have a full catering menu, the freshest meats, imported San Martano tomatoes from Italy, and the best mozzarella. Order in store by phone or online. They even deliver. ItaloFineFoods.com I-T-A-L-O FineFoods.com. Tell them Vinny Madunio and WABC sent you. Manja.